Hello and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and Their Multicultural Mess. Thank you for joining me to on another episode. Um, I know your time is precious and you take time out to, to listen to my opinions in my podcast. I'm very, very grateful for the same. I hope you had a great day. Um, I record these podcasts in the evening, which is uh, morning uh, Indian time. And to all my listeners in India, a very good morning. And to, to the listeners all around the world, good morning, good evening, um, good day, wherever you are. So today we are going to continue on another episode of the Taj. I did mention I spent four years researching this, so there's a lot of material. Please do keep a paper and pen ready, uh, because there is a lot to take down and note. Hopefully we'll try and finish this off today. If not, we'll need another episode after this. So let's go straight to it. We talked about Sajahan, uh, his uh, his uh, desire to imitate the Ottomans, um, and especially that of uh, uh, Suleiman the Great and his wife, who was buried in a mausoleum. Uh, we talked about uh, Sajahan's wife, who had two names, um, and a name after death, uh, how Sajahan bought the, the monument, uh, the land and the Taj Mahal and the, and the mausoleum on it. He never said he, he built it. It's very clear he, he, uh, he bought it. Um, and now we're going to the different um, aspects of the Taj um, in order to understand what it really is. So um, I saw a very interesting documentary on phenomenal travel videos. If you go to YouTube, uh, you will see it. Just type phenomenal travel videos. They are absolutely amazing. I talked about the secret underground passages under the Taj. Uh, sorry. It talked about secret underground passages under the Taj where the second set of tomb exists. Ironically, the entrance to these secret underground passages are no secret whatsoever. They exist on a marble platform or plinth on which the mausoleum is built. Uh, one, one so you can walk outside the mausoleum and on the left-hand side, I think there exists one in the back of the mausoleum too, although I'm not very sure. One set of stairs going to the basement is right in the center of the main doorway. Uh, however, it's covered in seal, just like the other flight of stairs. Now this caught my eye in the 80s and 90s. When I visited it, this uh, stairs going down was open and you could go downstairs. Today you can, thanks, no thanks to the Indian National Congress and their Marxist... Um, agendas, at least one of these passages are open. And when I went down the stairs with my family on a trip during my summer holidays, um, it was hot, sticky and smelly and suffocating is all I could remember of those underground passages. Really, really hot because it was the summer months. The mausoleum on the top was much better and cooler. So the question arises, why did they close the Taj, uh, or should I say, why did they close the, the underground passages? Probably a multicultural government run by the feudal Gandhi family for over 60 of the last 70 years thought that the mummified bodies of the emperor and his empress would decompose. However, this is a farce as the bodies are in sealed tombs. Um, besides, there are ventilation shafts from the ground up so you can see on the mausoleum floor inside and outside. Basically, they just do not want people to enter because they know they are hiding something. Uh, so if these chambers are not really sealed, what are they hiding? At the rear of the Taj Mahal is what would have been the original royal entrance. 
So this entrance was at the river level. As mentioned before, royalty would get off their boat and go up the mausoleum to the stairs to the main floor and out of what is now the front of the mausoleum. These staircases have now been sealed. The door still existed during the 1970s when an American architect by the name of Professor Marvin Mills took a picture of the door and a piece of wood sent it for carbon dating. It showed the door predated the Taj by 200 years at least. So great, I say, what now? Why the sealed passages? Why do these passages exist and where do they lead to? Why did Sajahan choose this particular piece of land when he could have chosen any other? He could have chosen any other space. And besides, he had mausoleums which he gifted to the Hindu emperor um, Raja, uh, Raja Ram Singh's grandson. Um, well, a group of phenomenal, the group called the Phenomenal Travel Videos did some research and found out that the locals of the area say that the mausoleum is an ancient temple to the Vedic deities that still exist underground. This temple is now converted to a mausoleum, which we call the Taj Mahal. Hence, they tried to throw stones, uh, money or small offerings through the ventilation shafts in hope that it will fall to the temple below. It seems ridiculous to you and me, but it to the locals, it's very serious. This ancient temple was called Badalgar. Badal means clouds. Ghar means place. Home, dwelling, stronghold, abode. In the case of a bastion or fort. In ancient times, all Indian towns and villages are built within a fort, fortified area. So this would have been a fortified area in, in ancient times and all um, the village was within the fort. Uh, Ghar could also come, it comes from the sunset word Graha, which means fear, planet, cosmos, abode. Uh, so a temple to the heavens signifying the clouds. Okay, um, or the cosmos, or connection to the cosmos, the universe, heavenly sphere replicated on earth, very much like the pyramids of Giza aligned to the constellation of Orion. So you have the pyramids of Giza aligned to the constellation, um, sorry, con constellation of Orion. Similarly, the 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 um, Taj is also aligned and symbolizes the cosmos. Now, what is ironic is that the Mughal emperor started with Akbar, just rebranded that name to call it the abode of the caliphate. A caliphate means empire that is led by a caliph. A caliph uh, is a successor of Muhammad, who is a messenger of God, that is the creator of the universe and heavens. Basically, all it did was rebrand the original name of the region from Hindi Sanskrit Badalgar to abode of the Caliphate of Akbarabad, as it was Akbar who was the first Mughal who colonized the area. The locals also believe that the underground tunnels run 270 kilometers. Now, the team at the Phenomenal Travel Videos, who were mind-blowingly fantastic, have done great work on the project. They researched the area for anything and everything related to underground tunnels or Badalgar. It did not take long for them to come up to the Agra fort, formerly 
called the Badalgarh Fort, prior to the Mughals capturing the area. It's only two kilometers from the Taj. It seems that Sajahan's grandfather, Emperor Akbar, captured it, rebranded the fort, put his Islamic stamp on it, and officially the Indian government has not confirmed that, saying it was Akbar who built the Agra fort. However, the plaque on the front of the fort clearly shows the original name as Badalgarh Fort. So the original fort is still there. The plaque still says it's Badalgarh Fort. That means this was a fort prior to Akbar. Uh, Emperor Akbar uh, capturing the area. So anything around this area was called Badalgar, um, which means that this temple, 100%, was the Badalgar temple um, prior to the Mughals invading the area. Because you won't have one fort being Badalgar and the area and the temple being something else. So on entering the fort, the PTV team looked for underground tunnels, which they found. An old tunnel from a rectangular passageway that goes underground. It does not, it's not used anymore to prevent accidents. However, they found the passage locked from inside, not outside, meaning the underground passage is still used by staff for maintenance purposes, probably. They also found ventilation shafts going down underground all over the fort. If you peep down these tunnels through the shafts, you can see elaborate pa passageways, well-conceived and integral to the part of the fort. And I'm talking of the Badalgar Fort, which is two kilometers away from the Taj. Um, there are arches and eight-sided pillars, not abandoned, but still in use. This proved that the government or the ASI, which is the Architectural Society of India, is aware of the underground tunnels, probably an an ancient city connecting the Agra fort to the Taj. Uh, why was that hidden from us? Who's paying them to keep silent? How many more tunnels are there? On a quick side note, growing up in the shadow of the Babri Masjid demolition in the 90s, which is not far away, I always ask myself, what if there were underground tunnels that connect all the monuments in Uttar Pradesh? That is the same, same state which is the home of the Taj. So you never know that there are underground tunnels that connect all these monuments because there are plenty of monuments in this area. Well, to say at least, I'm now convinced that the Taj was already standing in Sajahan or uh, his successor's time um, and he did not build it. This story matches the story of the Cathedral of the Cordoba uh, in Spain. Islam says that the ruling caliph at the time first purchased one part, then the whole church from the locals of the time. He then tore it down, built the cathedral they called the mosque. However, no documents sh exist showing the Islamic occupiers actually built the mosque after tearing down the cathedral, except a book written by Muslim historians some 200 years later. All the Arabs of that time uh, did was rebrand the church, which itself was a Roman fortress, to a mosque. And history repeated itself. The church was then rebranded as a uh, to the next empire. Um, so to come back to the Taj and emphasize this case, we know now that the Taj has underground tunnels, more than likely leading to the Agra Fort, which we just talked about, um, which also existed when the Mughal Empire invaded the land. As I also mentioned above, the Taj Mahal, formerly a Badalgarh temple, and the Agra fort 
formerly the Bad Elgar Fort, was more than likely dedicated to the clouds, because Badal means clouds, home of the clouds. Um, Gar means clouds, and Badal means Gar means home, and Badal means means clouds. So there was home of the clouds or home of the cosmos. It was depicting something to do with the cosmos. Um, um, a cons- it was aligning with some type of constellation, showing a resemblance to the pyramids of Giza. I wondered if the pyramids of Giza also share something in common with the Taj, besides both aligning with the cosmos. I knew more or less what it was, but looked for confirmation. Well, confirmation was quick to come and went beyond what I expected. A very important story came from a collection of very intellectual videos on YouTube by a group called The Universe Inside You. There they talked about what they believe the Egyptian pyramids stand for. Taking two steps back in India, uh, scholars have known that our ancient temples were encyclopedias of knowledge. The rishis and sages were mathematicians and architects of their time. The temple itself was mathematical and astronomical metaphors to the cosmos on earth. Every arc, dome, angle, idol and carving had a meaning and was not there to look pretty. This was so because the temple itself was a school of ancient knowledge. There, they were universities of its time, centers of dialogue and debate. So believe the pyramids of Giza, to believe the pyramids of Giza, were an ancient center of learning and discourse was not far-fetched. But what were they teaching or producing at that time? The science of the universe, the astronomy, electromagnetism, that's which makes up our cosmos. Could it have been an electromagnetic terminal? Going back to that YouTube documentary, fascinating to say the least, I will go through it uh, with you. Again, it was made by a group called The Universe Inside You, and we'll take a look at how it matches the Taj. So the pyramids uh, of Giza, which were which the documentary talks about, uh, were built with the same materials used today for electrical conductivity. Unknown to many, the electricity existed in the ancient world. We have proof of that in ancient Vedic texts uh, and also ancient artifacts known as the Baghdad Battery or the Parthian Battery, which was born, found in Iraq. To build the pyramids of Giza, the ancient used uh, the following. White polished limestone, which was used Uh, and known as a casing rock, which gave it a smooth, flat surface. This was for perfect insulation. It meant an enormous amount of light that would have reflected from its surface. For the Taj, the white marble was used. The marble is a metaphoric rock produced from limestone in the Earth's crust. It's formed by metamorphism of the limestone. In the, in the pyramids, um, dolomite was used on the inner surfaces. It's white, polished, and slightly radioactive. It also It's known to increase electrical conductivity directly relative to the amount of pressure. High pressure creates more electric current. It can insulate against interference from cosmic rays without adding to the background of radiation levels. There are angled tunnels going deep underground and passageways below the Great Pyramid. These also exist in the Taj and are 
still unexplored. Lining these passages is granite, which is slightly radioactive. It contains quartz crystal with metal. Quartz crystal is a well-known fact conductor of piezoelectric energy. Um, this also occurs as a result of stress on the quartz. In, this, in the case of the Taj, semi-precious stones like agate and onyx were used in the Taj Mahal, which are a variety of quartz. Uh, the Taj is also made up of sandstone. Sandstone is a sedimentary rock. It's formed by compaction and consolidation of sand over millions of years. Sandstone is made of sand cemented by silica, iron, lime, etc. It is quartz-based stone. It's one of the hardest and toughest materials. It's even harder than granite. Sandstone is mined by quarrying. Commonly, sandstone is quartz and feldspar. It, it is widely used for stonecraft, and sandstone has great features uh, of high mechanical strength. If you want to learn about it, you can go to stonefinder.com. Uh, I repeat, stonefinder.com, and you can uh, take a look at the qualities of sandstone and granite and quartz. So, in the pyramids, a mysterious mortar gypsum, which modern technology cannot re uh, replicate, was used. Gypsum is stronger than stones. It could withhold a lot of pressure. Gypsum barrier allows a thermal barrier within a system, thus reducing thermal bridging. This above materials are the same items we also make, we also use to make electrical wires. Um, sorry, the above materials are the same items we use to make electrical wires, that's right. Today, as it shares a relationship with pressure, which increases their electrical conductivity. Possibly all these materials were used to serve a purpose and to create electricity. Northwest of the Great Pyramid is the Sepharim of Saqqara. It lies 20, there lies 20 granite boxes uh, called sarcophagi each weighing 100 tons, supposedly used as crypts. However, it could have been used as batteries for energy capacitors. A container serving as a battery or energy capacitor must be made entirely of the same substance. So there's no interruption in the magnetic field. For In case of the Taj Mahal in India and the Angkor Wat in Cambodia have a very similar bottom of the mo monument or sarcophagus-like crypt not shown to the public at all. In the, both these monuments, there's a shaft leading through the burial chamber. The temple is built around the shaft or the crypt. In the pyramid, the queen's chamber contains carefully constructed copper wire, instructions on the wall as symbols on the floor, which appear to show a wiring diagram. If one runs an electric current through copper wire, the coil will produce a short-range magnetic energy. Add a second coil and the power is transferred from one coil to another using potential difference. A windowless room with copper wiring could create a high potential on one wall, which transfers energy to the lower potential on the other wall, thus releasing electromagnetic energy into confined space. The room where the second set of graves or the royal couple at the Taj Mahal is located is a windowless room. Any coincidence, my friends? For In the case of the pyramids, an energy generator requires a catalyst from another source. So the pyramids are located over a powerful natural generator, underground rivers or aquifer. 
The Nile River flowed directly below the pyramids at one time. The Taj, in its case, is located on the Yamuna River. Your piezoelectricity could be harnessed from the currents below as the water flows. If water was a source of power, uh, it would have traveled up the limestone based on the process of capillary action. This happens when a small area of a substance gets wet and it's absorbed by the entire area of that substance. Water flowing below or near or underneath the pyramid could have been absorbed as it passed over the limestone, even traveling upward towards the top of the structure. The quartz in the tunnel of the pyramids could be subject to the stress or vibrations of creating piezoelectricity. The high force, the speeding of the rising water and the pressure would be analogous to filling a syringe generating electromagnetic energy with the structure within the structure by the materials while conducting it upwards to now missing capstone. Geographic location of the Great Pyramid is located at a spot where electromagnetic forces are magnified. The telluric currents would be at the strongest. The electromagnetic field at the bottom of the pyramid, which could rise to the top of the pyramid, which with Chemical reactions at the top of the pyramid could have been capped with gold. If it was gold, it would have been created. It would have created a conductive part of for energy to be directed upwards, high into the ionosphere, into the clouds or the heavens above. In the case of the Taj Mahal, the clouds and the heavens above is the reason why it was named as the Badalgar Fort and the Badalgar Temple. Badal means clouds. So this temple was created for electromagnetic energy towards upwards towards the ionosphere. It was not created as a tomb. If in the case of the pyramids, if superconductive materials were used, something more amazing could have been possible. Violet energy. Something which te Nicholas Tesla found out in 1893. Um, Long-distance transfer acoustic energy can be converted into kinetic energy if the frequencies match. If there's a magnetically oscillating current, you create a second possessing uh, the same frequency. The wireless transmissions could pass through solid materials and through long distances. In um, For the Taj, there exists a monument west of the main mausoleum on the Taj grounds called the Naubat Khana or the Nakar Khana. It is a term used for drum house or an orchestra pit during ceremonies. Acoustic energy, my friend. Drum houses also exist at the Red Fort, the Amber Fort in Lucknow. An oblix acted as a tall receiver particularly if there was a quartz stone at the top of it for the pyramids. Among the Taj, like the alleged minarets of the Taj Mahal and the Qutub Minar. So these obliques acted as tall receivers. So the minarets you see at the Taj were actually receivers. They were not minarets built by the Mughals. The Qutub Minar is the same thing. 
All these minarets come from pre-existing Roman and pre-Roman monuments. The minarets are not, I repeat, they are not Islamic in any way whatsoever. Um, in the case of the Taj, it has the trishul or the trident on the center dome. The ankh, uh, the ankh in the case of the pyramid, would have conducted and directed electromagnetic energy to the ionosphere to where it generated and transmitted electricity wirelessly to receivers in the rest of the land. There's a heightened electromagnetic me measurement around the pyramids that, that is equivalent to that made in an electrical storm. The Grand Pyramid of Giza is eight-sided, like the Taj Mahal and the Angkor Wat. So was the pyramids perhaps an, a compact energy generator? Now the Taj Mahal can also be an ancient terminal of electromagnetic energy, even like the Bosnian pyramids. Similarly with the Agra Fort, it has all the prospects and the characteristics of pyramid of the Pyramid of Giza. So yes, the Taj Mahal could very well be an electromagnetic energy terminal. We are also aware that the modern-day temples were not used with the same inten intentions in the ancient world as it is today. Now, take a look at the important note of the Taj Mahal. The longitude, longitude of the Taj Mahal, among other temples of India, is mentioned as more or less the same. And I'm going to give you the longitude. Uh, you can look it up on Google, but here it is for you, of similar monuments. Humayun's tomb, Uttar Pradesh, 77.15 degrees longitude. Akbar tombs, Uttar Pradesh, 77.57 degrees longitude. Agra Fort, 78.1 degree longitude. Taj Mahal, 78.4 degrees longitude. Tiru Vannaikal, uh, Tamil Nadu, 78.70 longitude. Kedarnath, Uttarakhand, 79.6 degrees longitude. Kaleshwaram, Telangana State, 79.90 degrees longitude. Kanchipuram, Tamil Nadu, 79.70 degrees longitude. Chidambaram, Tamil Nadu, 79.69 degrees longitude. Sri Kalashasti, Andhra Pradesh, 79.69 degrees longitude. Tiruvannamalai, 79.7 degrees longitude. Rameshwaram, 79.31 degrees longitude. All these temples are close to the 79 degrees longitude, all built near water currents. Could they have possibly been electromagnetic receivers of wireless energy? Is that what Sajahan named the Taj Mahal? Rauza e Munavara, the Persian word for illum illumined tomb. That means at one point this was illuminated with wireless energy. The label stuck to the centuries and the locals knew the name. All he did was convert the name into a Persian name. Ill illumined as in lit up with light or electricity, wireless energy. It is certain that there was no electricity during the Mughals' time. However, the locals would have remembered the storylines and advised the new owner of the Taj, of the Mahal. Not to upset the locals, he could have changed the language of the original name given to the monument. However, he seems to have kept this, this same name, same theme, not to cause a conflict. 
However, the monument was more important to him due to his rivalry with the Ottomans. It was the only reason why the Mughal Emperor Shah Jahan could have named the Taj Mahal the Illumined Tomb. Illumined means lit up, lit up with electricity. Was the Taj really lit up at, at one time with a wireless energy? The science could have been forgotten but the parable stayed on to tell the tale. There is one answer to all of the above question. The only solution would be to open up the Taj Mahal. So we have seen through four chapters that the Taj has nothing to do with the Mughal emperor. He just used it. He never ever said that he, he built it. It was very clear that he bought it. He never lied. He never made one effort to say that he, he, he built the Taj. Even the chroniclers, except for one uh, chronicler, everyone says clearly that he bought the Taj. Um, so that's a recap for you. Uh, the Taj was bought. It was not. Um, it was not built. Um, Sajahan definitely wanted to imitate his uh, his Ottoman cousins. His wife had two names before death, one at birth and one her married name. And the word Mahal, uh, Mumtazi Mahal, was given only in the in the books after she died. Um, he uh, so we know clearly that also Sajahan um, confirms there's his chronicles confirm that there was no cost confirmed cost of it. Uh, there was no date to say when it was finished because we have dates showing in fin in the the inscriptions were there in five years time less than five years. There was no architect but a supervisor. Um, the Arabic writing imitates is, is an extension of the Mughal uh, aggressive energy, traumatic energy. However, uh, the artwork matches the era of the Kufic script of the Quran, which is the 6th, 7th century. Um, now, um, the designs are very Hindic. The minarets are not there on the mosque, they're on the Taj, and they replicate vilest towers. Uh, we've also seen their passageways below the Taj, and leading up to the Badalgar Fort, the name of the fort says, uh, means the Fort of Clouds. The area also is called the Badalgar area. Um, the artwork resembles uh, Rajput design. Um, and basically, the 99 names on, this, on the second tombs below um, are a mirror of the 99 electrical energy. Um, the 99 electrical energy charges uh, that were converted into the 99 names of the, of the, um, of the Prophet Muhammad. Um, one very important thing that I have brought up in this chapter is that the artwork, I want to recap on that, is the most important thing. The artwork rep resembles uh, not the Mughal writing, the black writing of the, of the Arabic script, of the surahs, but it resembles the Kufic script. The Kufic script is a 7th, 8th century, but if you understand something, I will talk to about this in later podcast, there was a very important volcanic eruption in uh, 536 AD 
Um, with that, there was a volcanic winter all across the planet. The economies of the countries uh, of the planet came down. And after that, there was no building, nothing of the sort for 200 years, nothing. 200 years, there was nothing being built. It was just rebranded and new empires came and filled the space of vacuum of the uh, big empires that ran this area. And the smaller empires were kingdoms always fighting about the place. Um, and they never really built anything. They rebranded what was there. So there was no way in the 7th century they would be building something besides rebranding what was exactly there. That means this temple was built prior to 536 AD earthquake. And I will talk about the earthquake later. Very important date to remember because it changes history. So this temple was built prior to 536 AD. It was not built afterwards, which is rebranded by successive empires. So there you have it. The Taj is... Everything points to the Taj not being a Mughal monument. There's nothing uh, that says that it's Mughal. Neither did Saj Jahan say he built it. Uh, I hope you've taken many notes. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to, to, uh, to write to me on Facebook or my email, religions with an S, regimes with an S, refugees with an S at outlook.com. I thank you for your time. You have yourself a great day and great evening. Cheers.